promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Greetings and welcome back to the Treadweary Podcast. I'm Pastor Carlton Smee coming to you here from Ridgecrest, California. And again, we're going to be taking a look this week at another one of the post-resurrection appearances by by Jesus. We're going to be finishing up the end of Luke. And we last we left our heroes, right? Uh, we had a couple of disciples on their way to Emmaus and Jesus appears to them there. And then they go and they talk to the disciples and then Jesus shows up. And we're going to be taking a look at that Uh, today. Again, just another shameless plug really quick. Uh, If you are going to be in the area in Ridgecrest, first full week in June, June 6th through the 10th, we will be having Vacation Bible School in the evenings, those five days from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, June 6th through 10th. Uh, Rainforest Explorers, we're going to be exploring the promises of God. Well, uh, with that being said, uh, let us begin. O Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. A reading from Psalm 66. Let the whole earth shout joyfully to God. Sing about the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awe-inspiring are your works. Your enemies will cringe before you because of your great strength. The whole earth will worship you and sing praise to you. They will sing praise to your name. Come and see the wonders of God. His acts for humanity are awe-inspiring. He turned the sea into dry land and they crossed the river on foot. There we rejoiced in him. He rules forever by his might. He keeps his eye on the nations. The rebellious should not exalt themselves. Bless our God, you peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He keeps us alive and does not allow our feet to slip. Amen. Our gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 24. We're going to begin at the 33rd verse. That very hour, the two disciples got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together who said, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? He asked them, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they still were amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? 
So they gave him a piece of a, of a broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. He told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, This is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you that my father, what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, this is sort of the second half of the story. First, the, the first half is that road to Emmaus experience. And now we have Jesus, instead of just appearing to those disciples on the road, we have Jesus appearing to the 11, it says. Uh, but it was more than the 11, right? Because you have the two disciples from the road to Emmaus. Plus there's there's conversation about how it was more than just the 11 in that room. It was it was a greater number than just the, the 11 that were there. But it makes the point of saying, the 11 because it was the 11 who were left after Judas Iscariot uh, betrayed Jesus and then eventually kills himself. Um, it was the 11 who were the ones that were in the midst of Jesus uh, during the Last Supper. They were there in the garden. They were there to flee and to deny him and to doubt and to not stand up for him. And so uh, we end up having them come and and tell uh, tell the disciples everything that happened, and that uh, they they tell these two disciples that well, yeah, Jesus appeared to Simon, and he truly is alive. And it says, as they were saying these things, Jesus himself stood in their midst. Suddenly, he appears. Hello, right? He said to them, "Peace to you." Basically, just saying, "Hello, how's it going? What's up? Hey, dude. Yeah, S- something along those lines." And they were startled and they, terif- they were terrified because they thought he was a ghost. This, this goes with our John readings, right, that we're going to have uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, of the fact that they have the doors locked and suddenly Jesus appears to them. So they're freaking out that it's, it's a ghost, it's a vision, it's an apparition, it's a demon, it's whatever. You pick your poison. And he says, why are you troubled? Why are you terrified? You should be rejoicing that I'm here. Uh, why are, are you worried about this? Well, worried about this because he he was dead. He, he was handed over to be crucified by people who f- crucify people for a living, right? He was handed over to professional executioners to be killed. So the disciples should be thinking to themselves, uh, yeah, you're not alive. You're dead. This is I'm, I'm dreaming. I, I'm not seeing this clearly this is this is not real and jesus has to say what's your what's your issue here what's your problem because we each have those issues right when we get confronted with a risen jesus it should trouble us it should trouble us because it goes against everything that we want to know or believe it should trouble us because it should cause us to sit here and say no way There's no way that there is a risen Jesus. It is not possible, we we tell ourselves, because men don't rise from the dead, right? Even with the, the raising of Lazarus, Lazarus didn't raise himself. It took Jesus to raise him, 
And so to, to think of a, a, a person without Jesus rising from the dead in the sense of Jesus standing outside the tomb, it would be unbelievable even for these, for these men. They saw him raise somebody, but there, there's no way. He's, he's gone. He's dead. And so he sits here and he says, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? This goes along again with Matthew and Mark, where it says that people doubted. Why? Because to doubt is to be human. To doubt is to be the sinner. To doubt is to know that, you know what? We we are a human being. We are not going to have everything together and to do everything correctly. And so he, he, he hammers them again. And, but then he says, look at my hands, look at my feet, that it is I myself touch me and see because a ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you can see, I have, what he wants to say is that I'm the Jesus that you're supposed to have. I'm the Jesus that you're supposed to need. I'm the Jesus who has done all things well. I'm the Jesus who took the nails for you. I'm the Jesus who did die and rise for you. A ghost or some sort of special apparition would probably not worry about whether it had the right wounds or not. But he wants to say, touch me and see. I have a physical body. I have been raised. I am here in your midst. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, but while they were still amazed and in disbelief because it's something unbelievable. Uh, the, this, last, this last week was the Champions League for, for soccer, football, whatever term you want to use, which means it was, the, it was the semifinals for the biggest football competition, soccer competition in the world, basically, uh, between the best football clubs in Europe. And on Wednesday, it was the semifinal between Manchester City and Real Madrid, two of the the biggest clubs, two of the most uh, well-paid clubs. Real Madrid is one of the most storied clubs in history of soccer. And what ended up happening in that game was that uh, over the course, they play two matches, right? They play one match in one week at one person's home stadium. And then they play the next match the next week at the other person's home stadium. And what they do is they take the two scores together called the aggregate. Well, going into the game, Manchester city had a four to three lead on aggregate, meaning that the score in the previous game was four to three. Well, Manchester city scored another goal. So then it was five to three. So for Real Madrid to just tie up the game and take it into overtime, they needed to score twice. There was less than 10 minutes left in the game. And suddenly, over the course of like 90 seconds, Real Madrid scored two headers to tie the game 5-5 on aggregate. And it went into extra time, and Real Madrid ended up winning. Whereas for the majority of the game, 81 minutes of the game, Manchester City was the best team on the field and by far probably the best team in, in the whole competition, except for maybe Liverpool, who, who had, had won the, the other semifinal. But you sit there and you think, okay, they're, they're down. They have to, Real Madrid has to, to win the game. 
by three goals to one to win the semifinal, to move on to the final, and watching them play for a majority of the game, you're sitting here thinking, that's not going to happen. It's unbelievable. And then you see it happen and you just go, dude, it's, or, or think of some other sports experience for yourself. Where, where you see something happen that you just cannot believe. I still remember being at the graduate in San Luis Obispo watching uh, Frank Reich lead the Buffalo Bills back from a deficit. I think it was like 31-3 to or something like that in the playoffs to beat the Houston Oilers. I still remember that day. I still remember being at the stadium, uh, in that Anaheim Stadium, when Fresno State beat USC in the Freedom Bowl. I was there in the stadium to watch that. These things that are unbelievable in our eyes, and yet we see them happen, and we just sit here and become amazed. Here for the disciples, their 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 doubts partially are creeping up because they're just sitting here going, dude, they're just blown away. They can't believe what it is that they've just seen. They can't believe what it is that they've heard because something has happened that was unexpected. Something happened that they just could not get their minds to be wrapped around that idea. And so in part, we have to start thinking about some of our doubts come about, especially with God and, and, and with Christ, because more often than not, the things that God does, the things that Christ does are things that are so unbelievable. They're things that happen outside of the natural order of things. And so we have to be prepared in our mind's eye to realize that God is the God of the impossible. And so our doubts are going to be real, honest doubts. They're going to be things that are going to hit us. We shouldn't champion them, though. What we should do is see our doubts as a real thing, but our doubts coming up because our God is so big. Our God is so marvelous. And he does amazing things such as raising Christ from the dead. And so then after he says this, he's like, okay, give me something to eat. Let's put this all to rest. I'm going to eat something. So he eats some broiled fish. And then he gives them a job, right? We, We keep seeing this over and over and over again. He doesn't wait for them to get their faith right. He doesn't wait for them to graduate from seminary. He doesn't wait for them. to to have everything all together, have all the doctrine together, but he gives them a job. He did that in Matthew, he did that in Mark, and now he does it here. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. That, That goes along with what he was saying to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, right? Where he starts with Moses and the prophets and explains all the things that needed to happen for the Messiah. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That's something that gets lost on us, right? Most people, they don't like the Bible because they don't understand it. Well, part of that is because we come at it with the wrong, uh, with the wrong motives. We either come at it through the lens of, why well, I need to find proof texts so I can prove so-and-so wrong. Or I need to find certain texts to be able to help me uh, have a, uh, a way to win an argument or, or to, to bolster up my political viewpoints or to uh, help control uh, people in a particular way because if I can get them to do what I want them to do, then they're going to, then I'll be king, basically. Or, or we come at it from a scientific point of view or we come at it from a systematic point of view when that's not what it is. 
Scriptures are a living thing, a living word that gives life, that breaks down the walls of death, the walls of sin, the walls of hatred and shame, things that that are more than we can ever possibly handle. And that's how the scriptures come to us regularly. And so maybe when we come to the Bible, what we have to do is we have to beg God to open up our minds so that we can understand them. And so it is that Christ comes to them and opens up their minds to understand the scriptures so that they might be better preachers, that they might be better disciples. Many of you listening to this, maybe you don't do regular Bible reading, and that's totally understandable. Uh, the, the percentage of regular churchgoers that do regular Bible reading every day or at least a couple of times a week or whatnot is very, very small in comparison to the number of people that don't. And part of that is because we either lay it at the feet of our pastors to do all the reading and the teaching, or it's because we read it and we don't understand and we walk away instead of begging God to help us to understand it and to apply it. And one of the best ways to do it, and here this is what Christ is doing, is he's opening up their minds to see him there. And so when you come to the scriptures, what you should be hoping to do is to ask God to help you see Jesus to help you see Christ, and to help you see the things that get in the way. Our own minds, our own stony hearts, our own thoughts. Asking God to break those things down so that we might have freedom, have release from all of that. And then he says, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day. Rising from the dead is part of the thing. We're, we're, we're big on either one or the other. We're either big on an empty cross or we're big on the, the full cross. We're either big on the Jesus in the tomb or we're big on the empty tomb. We have to have both. We have to have a dying Jesus and a rising Jesus because they both are necessary. One to kill sin and one to kill death. And then he says, And repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. What are you supposed to preach? Repentance, turning to God. Repentance, turning away from yourself. And repentance for the purpose of, which is what it says, for, for the purpose of forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of all the times that we turn away from God. And then he promises the Holy Spirit which is where we, we find uh, Luke going in the book of Acts, right? When we get to Pentecost, begging that God would come to us to help us in, in all that, that, that we need in order to be his, to follow him, to know the scriptures and be empowered to do the work of the kingdom. May the living Christ do that for you this week, church. May the, may the Lord open up your heart and your minds to read the scriptures and to find him there, to find some solace, some hope, some grace. Let us pray. O God, our Heavenly Father, who through the, your Son has promised us your Holy Spirit, send down upon us that same Spirit that he may teach us to show forth your praise, not only here on earth in weakness, since we know your power and glory only from afar, but also in power and glory on that day when united with the choir of angels, we shall see you face to face. 
through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, church, go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll see you next week.